With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Local sports. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Welcome back. We take you until noon, bottom of the hour. Scott Docterman on Iowa and on the Big Ten in general. He will join us in his normal spot this time tomorrow. Michael Swain, who covers Iowa State, he will be here opining on the clones and the Big 12. Uh, right now, Matt Snyder, who I disagreed with earlier this week when I read, oh. I read a piece that he was part of, what I think is one of the more ridiculous rules in all of sports. Ridiculous yeah. rules yes. in sports. It's the dropped strike three. Oh. Runner gets to run down to first base. Mm-hmm. I never understood why it was there. Um, I think it could be eliminated. Why the batter gets rewarded because the catcher didn't catch the ball. You swung and missed. Catch the damn thing or you get to run to first base. Matt, uh, you and I don't disagree often. That's one of them. I, I don't like the rule. You thought you should. Uh, it should be left in. Have I changed your mind? Yeah, I'm I guessing mean, it's, no. It's like, like I said, it's uh, I, I think kind of the beauty of baseball. There are exceptions, like the infield fly rule, uh, but mostly part of the beauty of the defense is an out has to end up in a glove. Whether you're tagging a guy, whether you're catching a ball, an out has to end up in the glove. And if we say you're rewarding the batter, I mean, he still gets charged with a strikeout. They still can throw him out at first base. But or what if the? I mean, for throwing such a terrible pitch that the catcher can't catch it, are we rewarding the and just saying, "Eh, it's all right, you don't have to catch it." I, I just, I feel like in the majors, you got to catch it, yeah. or else I'm fine with it being in the dirt and you block it and you make the throw to first base. It's pretty rare that a guy gets on in right. the majors. Yep. I think we just really noticed it because it b- broke up the perfect game by John Means. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're looking at that specific case, I, I kind of feel like the catcher's going to block that and make the throw to first base. I see your point. Um, I mean, you, you make a valid point that every out does have to end up with the ball in a glove, um, whether it be hit hit, um, hit in the air or to one of the bases. I, I get that point. I've just never understood it, I think, you know, because it's the time of year, right, where you're trying to, well, change yeah. one rule in sports. And that was always the one that I, I would I don't, go to. I don't know the origin on that, though. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'd be interested. I, I might have to dig in on that and kind of see why they put that in. Um, because almost anything, you, you figure out why they put something in. Like I did something a few years ago. I researched on the, the bunt third strike rule, mm-hmm. and it's because in like the 19-teens uh, and 20s even, guys used to bunt foul on purpose over and over and over and over to the point that there were actually fights, and the <laughs> league finally had to put in the bunt third strike rule. So like it always came from somewhere. <laughs> So I would be interested to look into that. I did not know that. That's really good. Go ahead, Trent. Well, there's uh, so much going on right now in baseball in different ways to look at things. The top of the sport, though, usually the conversation starts with the Yankees. This team, awful start, but 
what Judge did over the weekend, what this team we know can be. What are your thoughts? Just overall, the Yankees, is, do you still see them as a World Series threat? Is it you know, one good stretch followed by a bad stretch, the inconsistency that we've seen this year? Your overall take on the Yankees. Oh, they're absolutely a World Series threat. Um, it's it, They haven't really been right all year. I mean, they, they were missing Luke Voigt for a while. They're still missing Luis Severino. They started 6-11, and 11, but they've been really good since then. I mean, let's see, they were 9-13, and 13, so since then they've gone 13-5. and five. That, That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at the upcoming schedule, Rangers, a four-game series, they could probably get win three, three or four there. It, it, you know what? This coming weekend, White Sox. White Sox-Yankees, that'll be a fun series. Yep. Um, but, but overall, you look at if they're going right, if they make October and they're going right in October, they're absolutely a threat to go all the way. Because if you look at between Judge, Stanton, Voight, LeMahieu setting up for those guys, I fully expect them to get a big bat in front of the deadline. Um, you've got Garrett Cole going once every four times in the playoffs, uh, locked down back into the bullpen. That's absolutely a team that can make some noise. Yeah, I agree with you. They're going to be tough at that division. Um, I still keep thinking that the Red Sox are going to come back to the pack. And admittedly, as I've told you before, I'm a Blue Jays fan, so I'm keeping an eye on them. And Tampa's not going anywhere. This is going to be a fun division. Uh, the Central, where I want to go with you here. The Twins have to be the most disappointing team in baseball this year. I know that there's a lot of folks that think the Dodgers aren't living up to expectations, but they're still their record is so much better, clearly. I mean, the worst record in the American League, for crying out loud. And this is the worst record in all of baseball? It's in the worst, all baseball. It's yeah. the worst record in all of baseball. So you, I know Twins fans, some of them are holding, oh, remember the Nationals? You don't have to go back that many years and blah, blah, it's blah. True. Yeah, I just don't see this from this Twins team. I don't think they're built like the Nationals with that pitching staff. The Twins and the disappointing start to their season, there's no way. Is there, Matt Snyder, that they can overcome it? Uh, there's a way, but it's it's growing more and more thin by the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there just isn't something right. There's been so many meltdowns in the bullpen. Again, Sunday, uh, to lose the way they did. Just something seems broken there, and uh, like you said, you, you can talk about the 19 and 31 Nationals or the 16 and 26 Dodgers in 2018 to flip a switch. But those teams were a lot more talented. Right. I mean, you look at that that Nationals team had Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, and Anthony <laughs> Rendon and Trey Turner like hadn't even played together at all up to that point because one of the two was hurt all year up till then. If you look at these Twins, yeah, Buxton's hurt, but I mean, gosh, that happens pretty much every year, so you had to factor that in. Donaldson's 35. Nelson Cruz is 40. Uh, you look around the rest of the roster. I mean, Sano is 28. At some point, you, you, this is just what you are. So I, I don't know. It seems like a long shot right now. It was a lot easier to say they could turn things around when, like, the White Sox weren't playing that well and the Indians weren't playing that well and the Royals were the team way out in front because you thought, oh, the Royals will come back down to earth. But the way the White Sox are going right now, and they are really good. It makes ten and a half games. That's a lot to make up, even from the middle of May. Think of it this way. If the Twins play 600 baseball the rest of the way, 600 baseball, better than everybody except for the White Sox, the American League's playing for the rest of the year, they still would only win 87 games. So Probably not enough. Yeah. Not enough, because I I think you have to say the White Sox are going to win more than that. And I I would guess with only two wild cards that you're going to have some teams coming above that. The Twins are a huge disappointment. Another one is the Angels. And Otani is so funny. Mm. Did his, does it again yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
the stage was set by Trout finally getting on. He's been on a slump, but it's Mike Trout. It, it so what can be done? I mean, the Angels, they, they've tried so many different things here. You have these generational players, these guys that, not just baseball fans, sports fans should know so well, but they don't. West Coast is part of that, but the second thing is, the Angels stink. What can be done? Yeah. Uh, they need to do a better job on pitching, and that, that's been the case for so many years. And sometimes it almost seems like it's not even their fault. Like, Dylan Bundy was a great find for last year. This year, 0-1-5, 6.02 ERA. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's there's only so much Otani can do in the rotation when when you're trying to have him hit. Uh, I love the bullpen addition of Rachel Iglesias. He has a 5.14 ERA right now. Um, they just they're they're dead last in the American League in ERA. It, so it's awfully hard to win games like that. And uh, I mean, Rendon's been hurt some this year. He's only played in 18 games. Um, Justin Upton's been terrible. And like you said, Trout's having a rough month, but he's still overall, I mean, 333 with a 462 on base and 624. So he ain't the problem. Uh, Trout and Otani need some help. They need it from the pitching. They need Rendon to stand the field. They need Upton to hit better. Uh, Jared Walsh is having a great breakout season, but David Fletcher is down, and he looked like he was going to be a really good leadoff man at the top. Um, they need to do a better job at developing their organizational depth, and they are under a new general manager. So maybe that'll start to come to fruition, but it's organizational depth and pitching. I, I mean, there's a, this isn't like I always like to say to the people who like to say, if Trout's so great, why aren't they ever in the playoffs? This isn't basketball where one guy can dominate the ball every single time up the floor. This isn't football where the quarterback has the ball every single time their, their offense is on the field. He can only bat once every t- nine times. And now if you say, let's loop in Otani and Walsh, that's still only a third of the order. They need everybody else to play better. Uh, let's go to the uh, Central Division of the National League. We saw when Albert Almora came back to Chicago, the uh, reception that he got and the um, the tribute that he got on the big screen. Well, here comes John Lester. Maybe, as, as Cappy's uh, told us, David Kaplan's told us, he thinks it's the, uh, the the single biggest free agent signing in the in the history of the Cubs, what he meant to that team. And, oh, by the way, toss in Kyle Schwarber and the bombs that he hit uh, in that ballpark. What's it going to be like tonight on the north side at Wrigley? when John Lester, who starts for the uh, Natties tonight, and Kyle Schwarber are both back in town. I think it's going to get a little bit dusty in there. Yeah, I uh, it's, I, I've written that about Lester as well. Uh, the single biggest free agent signing in Cubs history. And I, I've said it on Twitter before, and I get people say back like Andre Dawson. Well, I mean, Dawson was one MVP, he's a Hall of Famer, but mm-hmm. they never won the World Series right. when he was there. Everything changed the moment John Lester signed with the Cubs. Things were already kind of turning in that direction, but once he was the one who took that leap of faith with a team that was 73 and 89, yes, it had promise, but it was still 73 and 89. He was coming from a World Series champion Red Sox team, an A's team that was the best team in the league for a lot of the year before they collapsed on the stretch. This is a guy who was used to being on winners, and he said, I want to be here for the next six years. That changed everything. Um, He made some of the biggest starts in Cubs history. He was nailed throughout the 2016 playoffs. Uh, he brought David Ross with him. That's a big deal, too. Ross was a big deal in that clubhouse. So uh, I think it's going to be really, really cool, really emotional, really fun. Take away Matt Snyder from the Cardinals getting swept by the Padres over the weekend after really getting control of the division, what they did with the Brewers. They come back, lose three, including a blowout there. Anything, any panic button, anything that you saw from the Cards this weekend? 
nah, it was just one of those things that happens. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, the Padres had like half the regulars were shut right. down due to COVID yep. protocols. Mm-hmm. Big series for the Padres. The only thing that I might think big picture is file this away because remember they lost to the Padres in the playoffs last year. They actually had a one game to none lead and were leading in game two. And then the Padres stormed back and then the Padres eliminated them. Uh, if they end up fa- facing each other in the playoffs, we might have a little uh, is Petco Park their House of Horrors storyline hmm. there. Uh, but overall, big picture, probably not that big of a deal. Uh, these things happen in the course of 162. The Cardinals were red, red hot going in. So sometimes these things just tend to even themselves out. I think they're probably fine. They're the best team in the Central. They're actually the only good team in the Central to me at this point. The Brewers have been bad for a couple weeks. Yep. Desperately need Christian Yelich back. The Reds have been wholly uninspiring since they started 6-1. and one. The Cubs are probably just mediocre, and we know the Pirates are bad. So yeah, it's still the Cardinals division to lose. One more uh, from the division. You, uh, I'm sure, saw yesterday Amir Garrett after he comes back from a suspension causing or inciting the riot, if you will, the uh, breakup with him and the Cubs here a few weeks back. They asked him, what did you learn while you were away? What did he say? I learned not to have fun. Wow. I learned not to have fun. Now, you can take that a lot of different directions. And I only read it, context, and sometimes the way that they say these things matters a whole lot more. Did you see it? And did you have any takeaway there? You know, we talk about this, policing the game too far. You wonder if this is one of those instances. Yeah, I I, I like the jab at the Major League Baseball front Mm -hmm. offices and how guys get suspended for for celebrating. I I like the jab, but... I have to question what's so fun about he was just yelling and screaming and looked angry. I didn't know that that was fun. It looked more mad than, than anything. And he's the one who struck somebody out and they were losing. It was just weird, but overall context, I agree with him. And uh, I, I actually think that they've been really bad at suspensions this year. I, I wrote an article about it. Like that case, the Nick Castellanos case, the Jose Alvarado versus the Mets case, every time they, they suspended the guy who was celebrating, but not the guy who charged at him. Like, how is Castellano suspended, but not Yadier Molina? Right. For Molina charged him from behind. How is Amir Garrett suspended for yelling when Javier Baez, by the way, my all-time favorite player, so it's not like I have Baez hmm. here. Uh, Javier's the one who stormed out of the dugout yep. and started yelling at him. He did. How do you suspend Garrett and not Javier? I don't understand what they're doing. Yep, so jumped, I like the jab, and I and I don't think they're doing a good job on the suspensions this year. Yep, jumped over the railing there and started mm-hmm. walking toward the mound and pointing a finger. Uh, so yeah. I don't, I I don't. Uh, let, let's move on. And we're with Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. He joins us every Monday at this time. We go around the world of baseball, and we're grateful for uh, carving out uh, twenty minutes for us each and every week. I don't understand the Albert Pujols to the Dodgers. I know they've got a ton of injuries. Uh, but not at first base, I don't think. Uh, he's, he's obviously just going to be, he didn't want to be, uh, coming off the bench and getting limited at bats across town. You know, he's okay with doing this. the Dodgers. I get it. The Dodgers have a much better chance in postseason. But why is Albert Pujols a Los Angeles Dodger? Did that make sense to you? None. Not, no, no sense whatsoever. Knowing what we knew about the story with the Angels, where the Angels basically were like, we're not playing you every day, and he was mad about that, and he wanted to play every day. Then to see him sign with the Dodgers, it's almost like something happened in between. Like, he only got interest from teams that were going to play him on the bench, and maybe he just kind of had a look-in-the-mirror moment and said, you know what, I I don't have it anymore. I'm not an everyday player anymore, and that's fine. I still want to play. I still want to get at bats, so let's do it on one of the teams that's probably going to end up being the best team in the league. Maybe he had one of those moments in between, 
signing and when he got released from the Angels. That has to be the case because otherwise it makes no sense whatsoever. He's not going to play much. I, I feel like he's just going to be a pinch hitter because he's so slow now. Mm-hmm. It, it, he can't really run much. Uh, he shouldn't be playing on the field much. They don't have the DH other than interleague games. So it, it doesn't make sense other than just as a pinch hitter to get occasional at bat. So I, it seems like he must have had kind of a look in the mirror moment there. Uh, Matt, last thing for you, and I didn't see it. I just saw it on Twitter. I wasn't watching the uh, the White Sox and the Royals when it happened. I don't know if you saw the play at the plate. Um, Abreu, I did. I, uh, yeah. So Matheny was was pretty shook up after it, and he took he, you know he didn't hold back, which I certainly respect that out of a manager when he thought his team was done wrong. Uh, I watched the play. I really couldn't tell. Maybe I didn't see the right answer, and Matheny was absolutely right in his stance. But is replay, is it broken, um, and should something be done, and was Matheny out of line in your mind? No, I, I'm never going to get worried or worked up about a manager getting his teams back. We don't even know if he was telling the truth. Sometimes they just sure. do that so that the players in the clubhouse are happy that their manager was sticking up for them. Um, in general, there are definitely problems with the replay, but I like that if there are obvious mixes, we fix them. There are some things I really don't like, uh, like the, the thing where a, a player beats a throw to like second base and for a split second, right. his body is kind of hovering yes. over the top of the bag and they get it. They call, I don't like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that play at home, man, I don't, I don't know if they got a Brayu before either. he touched home plate. You know, like it looks like the, the catcher kind of swiped across and beat Abreu, but it, it seems like he missed him and Abreu's hands. I felt like they had to leave that. I, I really did. And now earlier this year, the Bohm, Philly's Bohm at home played against the Braves on Sunday night baseball. I thought that was botched. Right. I don't think he hit the home plate at all. But on this one, I kind of feel like they got it right. I thought the same thing when I saw it, but um, yeah. And you're right about Matheny having his teams back, and uh, you know the team has not been playing well in the month of May. Has not been no. kind uh, to a team that um, at one point, not too many weeks ago, had the best record in baseball. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. If you love baseball, he's a terrific read. He joins us each and every Monday at this time. CBSSports.com. Matt Snyder, one of their baseball writers. We appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you in a week. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, all right, guys. Have a good one. You do the same, Matt Snyder, CBS Sports. Boy, this weekend, Cubs cards, mm-hmm. uh, um, White Sox, Yankees. That's the good one that Matt said. Uh, Dodgers, Jinsky, pretty big. Mm. Mariners, Pods, two teams that are both playing really well. Twins in Cleveland, seems like, boy, oh boy. It's kind of the last stand up. Don't CBS, you think? One of his colleagues at CBS has a article on the Twins and just saying if they have any chance. They have to get on a real hot streak the next three weeks. And they start with the White Sox tonight, correct? Yes, tonight against the White Sox. But if you're going to do anything, I mean, mm-hmm. you have to take two out of three. You have I mean, to start winning series. Yes, you right. have to start digging out of it. And after Saturday, I'm hanging out with all Twins fans pretty much, <laughs> the whole group. Yeah. And Sano hit a homer. Yeah, big one too. Here they come. Here they come. And then yesterday yeah. happens. And to lose in the fashion that they, it just... I'm with you. I don't see a way to dig out of this. I just, you can't. Kenta Maeda. Guy was a Cy Young runner-up mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. DRA is over five. Mm-hmm. May is the worst player in baseball. It's terrible. It, this includes position players. This is a reliever. It, in terms of, to be in the sabermetrics world, the worst statistical player in <laughs> so baseball. So this isn't hyperbolic? No, th- this is, 
true numbers bear this out. For a guy that has thrown, what, 15 innings this oh. year? He is the worst player in baseball. And they were proud of him when they, when they grabbed him. White mm. Sox really got him on that mm. one, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Whoops. Indeed. What else? Uh, Tampa, Toronto's kind of big. Brewers, Red. This is a big weekend in baseball. Sunday night baseball, Cubs and Cards. Have a feeling that may come up mm-hmm. in Claxons. Uh, uh, that we do each and every Friday. If you're new to the program, we give you an opportunity on Friday about 11.45, four of our listeners for uh, a chance to win some barbecue. At 11.45, we'll do the PGA. We'll get Matt Rudy in here at some point mm-hmm. this week. We got Sean Devaney. He's going to join oh, us this good, week. Oh, good, on the NBA? Yep. From our, uh, from Forbes, right? Yes, yeah. Longtime Sporting News and oh, now over at Forbes. Forever. And uh, always enjoy our NBA conversations. This is the time where yep. we start digging in and... Uh, I'm really excited for these NBA playoffs too. Or do you, do you like a team? Have you? This is what I was. I meant to ask you this. Yeah, probably off air. We can do it on the air. I want to find. Do you always find these props? Yes. Yeah. A, a championship matchup prop. Oh yeah, yeah. Are they out yet? I'm sure. I will look around today and see what I can find because of this this play in round that they mm-hmm. have. Oh, they might wait. They might That's wait. That's a good point. But if you're taking one of the Top six seeds on the other side, or maybe even get better numbers with the Lakers now. Mm-hmm. If you're going that route with one, of those do you like matchups. the Lakers? Yeah, I do. Do you, do you like Brooklyn? I don't. Did you see that play yesterday, by the way. Yes. Oh my god. I think it's just because I hate, I hate Harden so much. Yeah, he's a I, difference maker. Though, I Trent. just because of that, I'm. I don't like Durant either. Mm-hmm. They are a very difficult team for me. To get behind, to be excited to even watch. I, I don't like the style of basketball that Harden plays, coupled with guys that I don't enjoy that much. I'll be rooting for the Bucks in the East. I'll be rooting for somebody else. The Heat to make another run, whatever it is. It will not be Jersey for me. Or Brooklyn, excuse me. Uh, why can't Phoenix win the West? Chris Paul's playoff failures. Okay, fair. Fair. Booker. Too young. Yeah, Booker. Mm-hmm. He'll win games. Mm-hmm. He also might lose a game. But at fourteen to one, that's a pretty juicy number. I'm looking 14. at this Phoenix team. Look at you! It looks like you're preparing already for our TV show on Wednesday. I, in in effect, I I am. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I saw watched a lot of NBA in the books last week. Mm-hmm. But as as we mentioned, that circus just unbelievable. I mean, it's just incredible. There's the Cyclone fans. I hope you're. I hope you've built in a couple of days. Oh, by the way, do the do the Raiders play after Iowa State? They do not. They don't. I, I don't believe they do, which is good, because if they did, the Iowa State-UNLV game had to be earlier in the day. Oh. There's more flexibility now since the Raiders will be on the road, if I remember correctly. So you're thinking a night game for that factor in the time zone as right, well. Right, yeah. Um, and is, did I hear, read while I was gone that Cyhawks <laughs> trending towards a night game? Oh, I hadn't seen that. I thought I read that somewhere. Well, did because you... Ohio State is in the early window on Fox. Who do they play? They got a big game. Is it the Oregon game? Yes. Okay. It is. It is. So yes. that that one's already got set there. And the speculation again, uh, we haven't seen anything that the but, right. but Cyhawk, <laughs> the game we didn't get it last year. It's the biggest game in our state. It's two teams that move the needle and are both going to have well, at least we hope uh, terrific seasons. And they're going to play that bad boy at night, and maybe game day will be there in the morning. And the Ugh. Cyclones will be favored. And you see, I what... saw your tweet. So Chris Andrews, if you missed it last week, South Book, uh, South Point director of the sports book, there, he's putting out his games of the year and on that's Friday. Friday, right? Yep, they will be out, and you can bet on these. So in what Vegas. time on Friday? Will he put them out in time for our show? 
Can you ask him? He usually, yeah, I will. He usually gets in. I know he usually gets in about the time that we go on the air. Yeah. So I would guess, yeah, it's probably will be something like that. I'll make sure. I'll, I'll see if he's going to have. But him he's there. got the number right now. He's going to hang Iowa State as a touchdown favorite. A touchdown favorite. I said six two weeks ago. I said eight. four and a half, uh-huh. and I was way off. You saw the reaction though. That you, I'm sure uh-huh. you t- took a look at the tweet. I did. It already feels like a trap it away. So I, I said, "Boy, Chris, feels like you're going to get a lot of Hawkeye Monday." And Chris's response was, "Well, Trent, you know, we are open for business." <laughs> Indeed, they are. Uh, that's great. It's all about the 10% and the equal action. Mm-hmm. They don't care who wins. They have, well, I shouldn't say that. There are games that they have a rooting interest in when mm-hmm. they're upside down money-wise. Uh, we're going to try and help somebody out with some money right now. It's time for another, uh, to, to hit another $1,000 home run. Go to kxno.com right now, and once you get there, enter the keyword budget, Today's the 17th, right? It's Monday? It is. Uh, budget at KXNO.com. Uh, your chance to win $1,000. That's budget at KXNO.com. We will come back with Doc Miller and Condon. Till noon, 1460 KXNO 107. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. This is for all players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on that game. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. And as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code KXNO when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's code KXNO for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Iowa only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends May 23rd. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 The Central Iowa Sports Network is your home for year-round coverage of high school athletics in the CIML and the only place to watch Des Moines Menace Soccer. Providing coverage year-round and always streaming for free on YouTube and at CISN.TV. Subscribe to CISN TV on YouTube to stay up to date on upcoming events. Like and follow on Facebook and Twitter at CISN TV or visit their website at CISN.TV. CISN TV, the home for live. 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Next guest, Proud Papa. Son graduated this past weekend. That's awesome. Indeed it is. Uh, Let's get uh, Pops in here. Hello, Scott Dockerman. Congratulations on that, first of all, to both you uh, and your wife and to your son on this graduation. Thank you so much. It was was really rewarding. It's been a difficult uh, year and a half for for him and all college students, for that matter. I had two nephews that graduated from Iowa on this weekend as well. So it's just, it's been really crazy with uh, COVID and virtual learning. But yeah, I'm very proud of my son to, to get his degree from the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And 
Uh, let's just keep our fingers crossed that there's a job market. For <laughs> really? Well, he's talented, Doc. I saw, I've seen some of his work. Uh, um, he must have got it from his mom is what I guess you would say, right? <laughs> Without a doubt, I cannot draw anything better than a stick figure. <laughs> well, let's, uh, that's good stuff. And again, congratulations to you and your wife. So, Doc, uh, Trent and I just speculating a little bit. Uh, I was gone all week. Trent missed a significant chunk of it last week as well. Is the speculation that Cyhawk is going to be a night game with Ohio State and Oregon being announced as uh, as Big Fox uh, at uh, eleven o'clock in the morning hour time? That the speculation seems to be that Iowa State will host Iowa and potentially that game may show up in prime time. Are you hearing anything along those lines, Doc? If it's not prime time, it'll certainly be late afternoon. And uh, the the two games that are kind of in play for both spots, Iowa, Iowa State, of course, and Washington at Michigan. And, uh, and and I know even though Iowa and Iowa State are better than both of those two teams, you got to keep Michigan and Washington, for that matter, at the top of your list as far as, uh, you know, it's a cross-continental mm-hmm. uh, situation, two prominent programs early in the year. Uh, you don't get these matchups very often. So it, that, it very well could end up being, say, uh, Iowa, Iowa State in the mid-afternoon and that one at night. But I'm not I'm not 100% sure either way. I do know that Iowa, Iowa State is very much in play for game day as well. That would be incredible again to get that back there, that environment. Speaking of TV, Doc, you know the ins and outs of the TV, the start times that come out. Well, a lot of times in the past, it'd be out at this point at least, you know, four, five, six of the games. Not the case right now. What are we looking at as it pertains to knowing start times for a few games? Are we going to have half the schedule before we get to the season? What do you know right now, and how different it is compared to a quote unquote normal year? Well, this will be more normal than not. Uh, we'll know by pretty much the end of the month, say to at the very latest, the first week in June. Um, not all the games, but several of the games. Usually it, it goes first three um, and then special dates. And I think that's what we're going to find out the case here, which is which of the Big Ten games moves to Friday. It's going to, we already know Minnesota and Ohio State are on Thursday, but it's either going to be Iowa, Indiana, mm. uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, or Michigan State, Northwestern. One of those three will be on a Friday is the plan at this point. Uh, my money would be on Wisconsin because Wisconsin does tend to play on on uh, the Friday of Labor Day weekend over the years. But, man, that's a heck of a matchup, too, with Penn State. Mm. So I don't know if that's too high volume for that Friday. Uh, but then, uh, you know, so you'll get that one. You'll get the Cyhawk. Uh, in Iowa's case, the third one is Kent State, that's probably like, a, you know, I mean, it, it's the overflow game. It used to be you just pencil it in for 11, but you can't do that anymore because, you know, when there's 14 games, they're all over the place. So it's it, it's probably on overflow channel on something on BTN. Uh, you'll probably also get the homecoming game. I believe that's Purdue. That's usually 11 a.m. kickoff. And then finally, you'll get the uh, Black Friday game uh, time uh Usually, that unless that you know that the twelve day thing didn't work very well a couple of years ago, so I think this is going to be more of a of a defined time. So that's pretty much what we're going to get by, from now until uh, you know you know I guess first week of um, of June, and then you know there, there's other ones that are in play for other for bigger 
uh, positioning, but I think that's also has has to do with uh, just the way the TV shakes out and the way the teams play in the early part of the year. Scott Docterman from the Athletic is our guest. Doc, your your mailbag it's it's always full. Uh, you get a lot of questions uh, posed to you from uh, subscribers of the Athletic. What's the number one question? What do what do Hawkeye fans most? Um, what have they most asked you over the last couple of weeks? What's on football wise? I will get to basketball, Troy. We're going to ask Doc your question that you uh, uh, tweeted at us regarding Joe Wieskamp basketball in a second. But uh, football wise, Doc, what do you get asked more about than anything else? Which uh, which positions are uh, the most concerning to this team? You know, and as far as transfer portal and quarterback, I mean that's really kind of the the, the gist of what we get. And I would say. Uh, you know, the transfer portal, I think people are very interested every time. It doesn't matter where or when, uh, you know, in some, some sort of talent acquisition, which is why the NFL draft is so popular. Yeah. But that's kind of where uh, people are interested in the transfer portal, what I think, if there's any names out there. And, you know, they've offered a couple of defensive tackles. Uh, they went different directions. I think that's something that they could still be in on. I mean, they're not going to just take anybody. They're going to take somebody who – fits and probably will play right away uh, in defensive tackle, but I think that's an area of concern right now. Um, likewise, I think people are wondering about the quarterback situation. Is it still kind of a legitimate competition, or is there, uh, you know, is it just kind of a shadow competition? And, and I, I think it's legitimate. I do think Petrus is ahead, but that's really the, you know, right now it's, it's just a matter of, you know, how much ground can Alex Padilla kind of chew up. So I think the when it comes to bas- or football, that's really the, the big on-field questions we have right now. Speaking of the mailbag, I thought there was a really good question in there as it pertains to the defense. Guys that we've talked about, Justin Jacobs, Dane Belton, Kayvon Merriweather, who's odd man out? Who's a guy that mm. isn't out there as much because we've talked about it, Doc. I, I think we all like the upside of all three of those guys. So uh, fill us in a little more where he went down that road. Well, the, the difference now versus what it was like, you know, a handful of years ago is Iowa is a more of a multiple defense. So it's not so much an odd man out as maybe fewer snaps. Uh, you know, last year Iowa ran the 4-3 defense 24% of the time, which means you're going to see Justin Jacobs on the field 24% of the time. Plus he'll split some inside. He'll play some um, weak side snaps. So I don't know that you know, anybody in particular is going to be on the real short end of the stick like we've seen in the past when they were 4-3 come hell or high water. Uh, but, you know, judged on the way their rotations were last year, uh, Dane Belton stayed in the game. He went from cash to strong safety when they did go 4-3, which put uh, Merriweather on the bench. Um, I think that's probably still the case. I haven't seen anything to make me think that it's not going to be the case. Uh, but that said, I, I, I anticipate both players and as well as Kerner and, and uh, Belton playing, you know, quite a bit. I mean, you want to get those guys on the field. They're all really good. And, and think of it just more like basketball. You know, instead of playing every snap or uh, taking every rep, that some players just get more minutes than the others, you know, sometimes on situations. So uh, there, there's really nothing to go, oh, man, I, I think he's going to transfer because of this. Nah, it's, it's just. It's just the way things are shaking out. So much depth back there. Terry Roberts, I'd love to see him on the field. He's a, he's a special teams. I mean, he's made a huge impact in his career so far at Iowa. I'd like to see him get that uh, opportunity. So, Doc, back to just the transfer portal. Boy, it sure seems like, um, you know, that's, and I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that follows the team closely that 
they would still like to add something to that uh, defensive front, right? They're solid. The linebackers in the secondary is stout, but they've got to get some pressure on the quarterback uh, in the middle of that line. We, I think Wagner's going to have a good year. Van Valkenburg, uh, he's certainly flashed and he's shown what he can do, but it's in the middle, right? So that's where they're focusing, and that tells me that they realize it internally that, boy, this defense is just a player or so away maybe. Yeah, I think so. And and what we saw, we saw the same thing last year. And that's when they went and got Jack Heflin. And that was a perfect fit for Iowa. I mean, just uh, a guy who played the scheme, played it well, did his job, didn't worry about chasing things. And that's kind of the kind of player that they need at that position. You know, a two-gap defensive tackle who can chew up a lot of snaps. And they have a lot of talent, but it's young, and it wasn't really on the field that much this spring. And then they've got a few veterans, too, who, who could compete. But I think just one more piece, even if it's just rotational, mm-hmm. who could kind of fit in there and play a lot of snaps while the younger guys start to catch up. I think that that's probably the difference between Iowa being a very good defense and a potentially great defense like it was last year. One more in football, Doc. Where are you on Joe Evans, who certainly flashed? I mean, he's had his moments out there, makes some big plays. Is he big enough, Doc? Is he is he built to play the position full-time if if they have to turn to him to do that? He is. Um, Iowa's defense is just different. Like, if he was at Wisconsin, he'd be the perfect outside linebacker. Um, you know, because he's he's built more like a T.J. Watt or something rather uh-huh. than like Anthony Nelson or A.J. Epineza. I think he's fine in this, and, and they'll probably he'll he's number three as far as defensive ends go. He's going to be in a lot, even late in the spring. We saw in their pass rush situations that that John Wagner slid inside and he went outside. He'll be fine. He's a really good player. Uh, he'll see a lot of reps. He'll probably be a rotational guy. They have a, they try to rotate as many as eight or more even um, along the defensive line. So yeah, he's he's going to see plenty of time. He's big enough, you know. Would you want him, you know, playing head up on a guard? Eh, probably not. But anywhere else, if he can have a, an edge to him, I think he's in a really good spot. Finish up with some basketball and a question from Troy Joe Wieskamp. When do you expect an official announcement from him? I know the last the deadline to withdraw. It's not till July 19th, so this thing could stretch out. Late? Do you anticipate that this is just going to stretch out? And you know, what if he rolls an ankle? You know, something like that. Do you think it'll be until July before we have an official announcement, if you will? I think so. Uh, he's he wants to go to the combine. I'm sure he's he's good enough to go to the combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been kind of in and out as far as draft projections go. That's that's kind of hard to, to know. Um, I think in his case, it's. How do the workouts go when he goes to different teams? What do they tell him? I mean, he had a couple two years ago. I think he went to the Thunder and the Celtics, and you know had some really good uh, feedback there. I think he wants to get that same type of feedback. The combine, how he uh, com- not only competes, but just you know what what his meetings are like, and that. I think that's really important for him, and he needs to, to take as long as he can. And Iowa has one more available scholarship for the, the coming year. And it, it's pretty much earmarked for him, no question. I don't, you know, I, I think it's just going to be kind of what he gets. I mean, it's about teams and possibilities. If some team says, hey, we've got a second round pick, we're going to take you. And maybe we'll, we'll send you to the G League, maybe we'll send you to Europe for a year, or we'll bring you to camp. You know, I think it's, it's really about who likes you and who doesn't. And in his case, he wants to get as much feedback as he can because 
we know what he could do at this level. It's really about what he can do at the next level. And even if he has to come back to Iowa, that's not going to really hurt him <laughs> to wait till July. New scribers at the Athletic right now, they've got a special going on. It's only a buck a month, and is that ever a good deal? Terrific content. Scott Darkerman covers Iowa. Uh, we appreciate your contribution. As always, Doc, we'll talk to you in a week's time again. Congratulations to you and your wife and your son on his graduation. Take care, Doc. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, guys. Yep. Have a good day. You do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we uh, catch up with him. All right, we'll take a break. Trent's P.O.D., play of the day. Who does he like? Find out next, 1460 KXNO. Like you and our staff. You can see it. Picture it. The building you've always wanted. An expansion of your existing business. A new retail center where your growth really begins to take off. You've got the vision, but now what? Now you connect with Graphite Construction Group. Formerly Roshan Corporation of Iowa, Graphite Construction Group is the partner you want to match your vision. From the moment you first connect to long after the build is complete, nobody does it better than Graphite Construction Group. See why at Graphite G. Needed in most states. Some roofing companies come and go like a passing storm. Here today, gone tomorrow. Not Wolf Roofing. Wolf Roofing has been serving Central Iowans since 1993, from basic repairs to complete re-roofing projects. Wolf Roofing has the expertise to get your job done right. We have a team of highly trained and certified people, both in the field and behind the scenes, who care about your project. For a job done right, get the professionals at Wolf Roofing a call at 225-8866 or find us on the web at wolfroofing.net. Miller and Condon, welcome back. Final minute of the program. We're Finandi, an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics at three. Boy, there's so, this is the time of year where there's just, there's never too much sports. Right. But if you're a hockey fan, a baseball fan, the NBA gets going tomorrow. Uh, wonderful time. Do you have a play of the day? Uh, Gonna take the free space with the White Sox, of course, tonight. Against your twins, okay. And I like both the Hurricanes and Avalanche. I was thinking about either parlaying both of them together uh-huh or okay land the one and a half just individually on each of them because they're both plus money on the one and a half i think the hurricanes are better than nashville uh and i'm i know colorado's better than st louis money line it do it put them together Why plus 120 you? when you do that easy money trent Condon. all right thanks for being with us here today murph and andy had won the fanatics at three tomorrow morning morning rush at 6 a.m 1460 kx no 106